You try me once, you're back for more. Oh, yes, sir. I can boogie, but I need a certain song. I can boogie, boogie, woogie, all night long. Wow. What a performance from Steve Clark's Scotland side tonight at Wembley. After the disappointing 2-0 result against the Czech Republic on Monday, our hopes were hanging by a thread of qualifying for the knockout stage for the first time in our history. We wanted Steve Clark to go to Wembley and be bold. We wanted the players to be brave in how they performed against England. And my goodness, were they. Steve Clark, he made the big decisions. He kept faith with Stephen O'Donnell at right wing back. He was fortunate to have Kieran Tierney back at left-sided centre-half. McTominay came back into defence. Billy Gilmore made his debut from the start for Scotland. McGregor came back. Dykes and Adams partnered up front. And what a performance they put in. From front to back, man to man, every player was a colossus tonight against England. A real special shout-out has to go to Stephen O'Donnell. He was much maligned, slated, uh, criticised after the performance against the Czech Republic. And he was phenomenal coming up against players like Phil Foden, Raheem Sterling, just world names. He was unbelievable. Billy Gilmore, how high can this player go? I mean, if that's how calmly he takes his debut starting for Scotland in a competitive game at Wembley, he bossed it in midfield. Uh, What an exciting future he has. And that result, the 0-0 draw, paired with the 1-1 draw between the Czech Republic and Croatia earlier today at Hamden, means that Scotland go into Tuesday night's game against Croatia effectively walking into a cup final. Win and we're in to the knockout stage. We will know for absolute certainty going into that game on Tuesday whether there are at least one or two groups where the third place we can finish ahead of with four points. So we will know what the score is as we walk out at Hamden on Tuesday. As always on the Tartan Scarf podcast, I look to bring you expert analysis on the opponents Scotland will face So looking ahead to this game on Tuesday against Croatia, I'm delighted to bring you a conversation I had before the Euros started with Juraj Verdolšak, a writer based in Zagreb, who gave me everything you'll need to know about what this Croatia team can bring on Tuesday. And I'm delighted to bring you this conversation right now. So Juraj, thank you so much for joining me here on the Tartan Scarf. Today we are talking all about the Croatian national team ahead of Scotland's massive game. It will be our third group game against Croatia. First of all, thank you for joining me. How are you doing in this crazy world we're living in? Well, considering we've been in for more than a year now, kind of, it's never a good thing to say you grew accustomed to the situation. But you know, it's tends, it's it seems to be settling down a bit. So growing more optimistic day by day. Hopefully this will all blow over soon and we can get on, get on with the normal life. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, and certainly one of those things that is a little symbolism of a bit of normality coming back is fans getting back into football stadiums, which thankfully, even though there will only be 12,000 at the game at Hamden, 12,000 is certainly a lot better than none that we've watched so many games in the last year with no fans. So that is good news. But look, you're right. Again, thank you for joining me. But before we get into digging into the Croatia team and the players, tell me a little bit about yourself because I gather you've you've written for some pretty pretty big names in the world of sports journalism. My name is yeah, my name is Juraj um, Verdrak. I'm a football writer for um, Telesport Media Outlet in Croatia, uh, working full time there. But I've also written for 
different international media. You can find my work at the likes of Independent in the UK and BBC Sport as well, Copa 90, uh, pretty much yeah, more or less been all around Europe. So um, that's... So you are I mean. the expert, the expert in Croatian football tonight for us. So they say. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's what we need. This is what we need. Because, you know, what we like to do on the Tartan Scarf is, you know, I often find that people in Scotland, we know everything we need to know about the Scotland team. So it's so great to be able to get expert voices to look at our team from the other side of the telescope, but also to give us the inside track on our opponents. Because even though Croatia obviously have some phenomenally well-known players, there's plenty of players that maybe Scottish fans are less uh, familiar with. But look, before we get into that, just 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 tell me very widely for you personally and sort of for Croatia more widely as a country, how is excitement building towards this Euros? Because this this is a very strange tournament that we're coming into, what with host cities rather than a host country. The fact it's been delayed twelve months. Are you still getting that buzz? Well. <laughs> The whole COVID mess really did influence my optimism and uh, kind of like um, the buzz itself, the expectations from the Euros. But, you know, it's always an exciting time having a big tournament ahead of us uh, with Croatia playing at the tournament, which is especially important. Um, I was looking forward to the whole tournament last summer because I was due to go to the UK for the games. But now I'm not really sure I'm going to make it in the end. But still, it is uh, the group stage is quite interesting, I'd say, with two host countries playing against them in the representative cities like London and Glasgow. And it's really a shame that um, we won't fa- we won't be facing Scotland uh, in front of a full Hampton, which you know might be helpful for Croatia, but it's it's really bad because you know the atmosphere at Hampton would be probably really really amazing especially after the long wait for scotland so that's kind of what brings the whole thing down a bit but in the end like i said it's it's a big tournament it's always exciting to to follow it in any way possible so it's going to be exciting yeah no you're 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 absolutely right there i mean obviously the fact that it is only twelve thousand fans at hamden that is just such a crying shame because given the fact that we've been away from major finals for 23 years we could easily have sold out Hamden two, three, four, five times over for these games. So there will be many, many more people who would have wanted to come that can't. But I guarantee you that those 12,000 fans will sing and shout as if they are 51,000. So I, th- I think it should still hopefully be a decent atmosphere. Now, yeah. looking at sort of Croatia's recent history, obviously everyone remembers 2018. You guys got to the World Cup final, which was just an incredible fairy tale run to get to the final. You happened to knock out England in the semi final, which I'm sure. Uh, Scotland fans up and down the country are absolutely over the moon <laughs> for you for doing. But, you know, looking at the last year, the form of the team's maybe been a little bit more rocky, you know, didn't have such a great Nations League campaign, only winning one out of six, and you just sort of avoided relegation on goal difference. I mean, among the fans and among the media, like, are Croatia coming into this competition with confidence, or is there a bit of concern there? Well, definitely, there is a bit of concern going into the tournament because um, we had issues, as you said, after the World Cup and for this past two or three years now, we did have certain issues, but it was more, like, more or less expected from Croatia because um, the, the squad we brought to Russia was an aging squad by far. It, it was a couple of, you know, we had to undergo a transition period 
when it comes to um, our setup. I believe that out of the squad that uh, head coach Dalic brought to Russia, I think um, there's 10 names less. Uh, so we've made a quiet generational switch, and that's obviously reflected on the results. We do have issues in certain, both in terms of formation and in terms of setup and play as well. So um, there are concerns. Uh, Zlatko Dalic um, spoke to the press earlier today. He, he wasn't really that open about those concerns himself. He, he, he always kind of not really avoids the, the criticism, but he likes to undermine it. He always speaks about, you know, being humble, going match by match, but he does tend to put things under the carpet, as is swipe it under the carpet, as we say. So, but some things it's pretty much unavoidable, to, unavoidable to, to talk about them, to pinpoint them as something that's obviously not working well. Um, When it comes to the period, you've mentioned we had like a streak of 10 games where we conceded from set pieces. Uh, We had issues defensively. We had issues in the build-up as well. So, you know, there were better games and worse games, but in general, there are some, some things we should be able to at least, you know, try to cover up as much as possible in the tournament itself. Um, especially because of the nature of the opponents uh, and the way Croatia tends to, to, to set up on the field. And uh, with, especially with Czech Republic and Scotland, those issues might be unexpectedly, might go unexpectedly bad for Croatia. It might be uh, em- even further emphasized, as we saw in those recent, most recent games against the likes of uh, talking about Croatia and the likes of Slovenia and Cyprus and Malta. We've struggled in each of those games and those opponents aren't really the, the, white, the likes of which you would expect Croatia to struggle against. So, yeah, we do have some issues, but there's always kind of questions with Croatia going ahead to a big tournament. And, um, you know, there were questions ahead of 2018 tournament as well. We've, had, we've been struggling in the qualifiers for the 2018 campaign as well, but it ultimately, you know, we all saw what's happened in the end. So it's really hard to say um, whether those issues will or won't be fixed and how much will they influence the tournament. But, you know, it's each game for itself in, in a way that those issues should be tended. Mm. Do you think then that perhaps that could almost play in Croatia's favour? I mean, obviously people would instantly think of the fact that Croatia were the finalists at the last World Cup, but the fact that the form maybe hasn't been quite so good might lead to some teams. I'm thinking, we've seen England do this at so many major finals, they play against a team that maybe they underestimate and it costs them. So maybe maybe that could work in Croatia's favour, obviously playing England first game up. Yep, uh, but I'd, I'd say that the profile of the tournament actually doesn't suit Croatia because um, Croatia likes to play against the opposition that, you know, Croatia likes to take over the underdog role, mm, in a way, yeah. which may sound weird when it, we're talking about a finalist of the World Cup. But uh, in general, Croatia likes to play against the opposition that is, you know, 
is expected to still be better in to be better um in the in the game so i think croatia will be easier off playing with better off playing with england than with czech republic and scotland because where the expectation will be that they should be going out yeah and winning. yeah yeah and and with the style of play that both czech republic and scotland respectively have so it that mm-hmm. both of the neither of these teams croatia and their style of play in general because Croatia likes to give the ball away. They like to be more a bit of reactive, play be more reactive football. So, and they struggle against the opponents that like to drop deep and are very physical and you know who try to find their way through with a quick break or through set pieces. As as I mentioned, those two elements are really something Croatia struggles with in terms of um, defensively. So you know. Both Scotland and Czech Republic, in different ways, though they they do. I'm not really sure. I, I would be more concerned with those two games than with England, as mm. weird as it sounds. Because <laughs> you know, it, with England, they'll just try. They'll come to, at you for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just try. Croatia will try to kind of see with this the idea which they had in the semi-finals, like try to give them the ball. Yeah push a bit more back, try to catch them on a quick break or... You know, they almost like, let England sort of run themselves out of steam and then they just took advantage yeah, late on and turned yeah, the game yeah, yeah. on its so head. That, that's why I think that um, the England game would be perhaps the easiest for, for Croatia in the first game. Um, you know, and this, the, the last game against Scotland would be even you know, more harder, I'd say, in front of well, back to Hampton, but Still, mm-hmm. Croatia are obviously the favourites in those two games as well. Yeah. I mean, not against England, but against Czech Republic and Scotland, you'd expect them to be the favourites. So, it is kind of a collision. In yeah. That. I mean, what would you say, like just sort of speaking again more widely about Croatia as a footballing country, genuinely, what would you say is Croatia's secret to their success? Because I was looking through their stats in preparation for this, and I mean, Obviously, Croatia arrived on in the international scene as, a, as a, an independent nation in 1996. And since then, your record is frankly unbelievable. I mean, 11 out of 13 major finals qualified for, finished third in France 98, finished runners-up in 2018. Croatia have a smaller population than Scotland. Like, seriously, what, what, what is going on there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we get that question a lot. Um, what's the secret, perhaps? What's... What's the idea behind all that? Is there a certain system? Is there um, what's uh, literally what's happening? But there's no as also as funny as it sounds. There's no real, you know. There's not, not something that you could point your finger towards and say like this is the the answer to that. It, the, I'd say there there's even more to it in a way that a lot of things happen in spite of the other things. Like we don't we lack. A really develop a really good system in terms of development, in terms of the infrastructure as well. We we take things very slow in those departments, and there's issues with corruption in the FA. Uh, there were fan boycott fans boycotting the games, um, so there were quite a few issues, and that makes everything even more remarkable when you put it uh, mm-hmm. in you know in in a wider perspective because a lot of players leave the clubs from Croatia, obviously because of the Croatian, the statue of Croatian clubs, apart from perhaps Dinamo Zagreb. They tend to leave the clubs very early. They 
you know, and going more west, going to the biggest leagues, it's always a struggle coming in young, but you manage to adapt and develop in those countries as well. So a lot of those, a lot of the success came in spite of things, not because of them. Do you think, do you think almost that that could almost be the reason behind the success though, that almost like these groups of players for Croatia and for the national team, they come together every couple of years and it's almost like a, we're going to succeed over all these obstacles and we're going to show the world what we can do because nobody expects it from us. You know, I remember that, you know, in 2006 at the World Cup when um, Italy had just had the massive match-fixing scandal in Serie A and those players came together and they won the World Cup. And you would think, how could they have come from the most chaotic situation at home and then come together and won a World Cup? But it seems like, like you said, with Croatia always wanting to have that underdog spirit, it's almost like they revel in kind of being, overcoming everything, maybe. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that could be said for the last, especially for the last two tournaments as well, because the the, uh, the you can't really compare the 1998 success with the 2018 success, because 1998 was something quite different. It was a young country, you know, people wanted to, players first wanted to prove themselves on a big scene, like, after the good uh, debut at the England 1996 Euros, uh, which where they also ended up in a quarter, tight quarterfinal against Germany. So, you know, that was something else. Uh, but in 2018, it was, it, they, they also wanted to prove themselves in a different way because for a lot of those players, as I mentioned before, it was an aging squad and it still mm-hmm. is quite an older squad despite the changes. Um, so you had like, five or six players there who thought of the tournament in Russia as the last chance to make something big because you had like, they've been through um, the 2008 heartbreak in Austria where we ended up getting eliminated in the last moments uh, in the game versus Turkey where we scored the 120th minute in the quarterfinals, ending up getting conceding a goal literally in the injury time at, of the uh, extra time and losing out on penalties. So that team um, got together with a trauma, so to say, with that trauma in 2008. And after that, they couldn't really shake that off. Uh, and they were always ex- they were always kind of seen as brilliant individuals, which they obviously are, like the likes of Luka Modric, Rakitic, uh, Mandzukic, etc. cetera. Uh, but they couldn't shake the trauma off. They... they failed to qualify for the 2010 campaign. They uh, were quite underwhelming in the 2014 World Cup campaign. In between, they had a pretty much solid 2012 campaign at Euros, but they still crashed out in the group stage. So there was always kind of feeling that they won't succeed at the big stage um, according to the expectations. I think the, the, the thing with Russia is... The, the players just thought of it as the last chance to make something big out of it, and they truly did. And the, the atmosphere in the squad and the whole, you know, the whole view of Croatia and the success in Russia came and kind of looking back to it, it, it really, they, they didn't have a really detailed system of play. I mean, they obviously had one, but it wasn't all down to the system of play, the way they played, but in the way they were, the the approach really confirms that they had the spirit to go and make something big because they come they came back from 
uh, in four, what, four games they've been going through the extra time. They've actually played one extra game in the mm -hmm. knockout round. So they kind of fought back to it and really did something big. And now it's going to be interesting to see um, whether they still the older ones or the older players who are still there, whether they have the, that spirit and, you know, to try to once again do something big or not. Yeah, yeah. And what would you say would represent a sort of successful Euros? I mean, obviously, it's, it's so hard, I guess, to, to say, given that you got to the final of the last tournament. But <laughs> what would be acceptable right now for, for where this team is at, would you say? Well, Zlatko Dalic told the press today that he expects, the expectations are more or less to go through to the knockout stage. And I think that's fair enough, you know, because at these tournaments, you, you can never tell. It's really, the, the predictions are really tough because you never know, first of all, uh, will, the, will the draw favor you in a way after you reach the knockout stages or not? We've seen that with the likes of Wales in 2016 as well. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's always tough to predict ahead of the tournament because of the nature of the group stage and the uh, knockout stage after that. But I fully expect that if Croatia would went through this group stage, I think that's kind of works well enough for me. And then, you know, it depends on the opponents in the knockout rounds, etc. So it's yeah. important for Croatia to pass the group stage. Yeah. No, that, that's that's fair enough. And, and, and of course, especially with six out of the eight third place teams going to the knockouts as well. I mean, I think certainly that's where that's where Scotland's ambitions are. Obviously, Scotland have never actually gone to the knockout stage of a, of a major final. So even though we are obviously delighted to have qualified after 23 years away, I think the next ambition certainly has to be the knockouts. And frankly, with a couple of games at Hamden and with uh, third place teams going through, we'll never have a better chance. So I think that's certainly where, where we're thinking as well. And obviously the fact is, as you saw in the playoffs, we are very, very good at penalty shootouts, obviously. So <laughs> get to the knockouts and who knows what could happen next. Um, now, you sort of alluded to, to this a little bit earlier, that the the style of this team that Zlatko Dalic has put together is really playing fairly reactive football, liking to play on the counter. But what would you say sort of are the key strengths in this team in terms of the way they're set up? How, how, how do they hurt their opponents? Well, comparing, like, when we talk about the draw between Croatia and Scotland, um, that's where, that's one thing where Croatia has a significant advantage besides having uh, international class individuals. But, you know, Croatia likes to, has players who are really, really adept on going around the opponents pressing high and you know with the intense pressing they can avoid it very very well and we saw that at the world cup we saw that even after the world cup despite all the issues croatia can you know beat press quite quite well and open up huge amount of space in the in behind the lines of press so i think that's where croatia has big advantage if they pull it out well enough in this group stage as well uh, with the nature of their opponents. So that's one element where they have a huge, huge advantage. Once they invite the press onto them, the mm. likes of Luka Modric, Brozovic, Kovacic as well, you know, the midfield is really, really adept on avoiding the, the opponents pressing. And um, we do lack that Manjukic element up front. And that's one, I mean, we'll 
probably get to that later, but that's one thing that we seriously lack when it comes to us pressing and counter pressing. Um, but um, I'd say the biggest, the biggest um, strength of this squad is the 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 transition, the players who are really adapted, uh, both avoiding opponents' press, opening space behind them, and you know executing a perfect transition, and that's what helps this team, you know, potentially go way further up in the tournament itself, in the tournament, in the tournament uh, as, you know, in the, the, the tournament style, it's, it's quite a tournament style, so, so to say. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. I mean, obviously, looking up and down your squad, it is genuinely full of kind of real household names, you know, Modric, Perisic, Kovacic, Obviously, Scottish fans are very familiar familiar with Borna Barisic playing for Rangers. Are there any maybe less fancied players or maybe any players you expect to have a breakout tournament that maybe the world isn't aware of yet, but this is going to be the summer that they're going to mark their, their arrival on the world stage? Well, a lot of his... Uh, I mean, a lot is expected from uh, Nikola Vlasic. Um, he's fairly young. Uh, some of the Scottish fans might know him from his... Quite short stint at Everton. Uh, he moved to Seska Moscow after the stint at Everton, and he's really had a brilliant two seasons in, in Russian capital. And he's expect, expected to make a big move this summer. And um, I think Euros might really push him forward because he's this physical number ten, floating number ten who likes to play in like a right half space. He likes to invite the opposition defenders onto him because he's really, really adept at having a player on his back. And he also can, you know, he, his passing is really admirable. So I'd expect a lot of, from him. There was an injury scare, but it turned out to be nothing big. He's, be, he's going to be fit for the tournament. And I think he'd be more than motivated to make uh, kind of a statement at, at the big stage and perhaps see find a you know potential suitor for the transfer he's bound to make somewhere back in the top five leagues so i'd expect a lot of from him because even though he's been with the national team for short time but he's made a huge instant impression and you kind of when you watch him you feel as if he's been around for years now and uh, i think he's he's got he might be the kind of like a biggest breakthrough player in terms of Croatia. And they are, as I said, the younger players are coming in, but still Zlatko Dalic is sometimes hesitant to put the younger ones in. You had the likes of Josip Brekalo as well, who's a young, he's a young Wolfsburg player, he's a winger, he's really good at cutting inside, you know, your general uh, winger cutting in, likes to cut inside, likes to find space for a shot, and he, he's also the the one of the youngest player who really came in and he's finding he's still finding. Unlike Lashic, he's still a bit finding his uh, spot in the team, but he's one to look out for as well. So okay, yeah, okay. I mean th those are the youngsters coming in. Well, certainly plenty of talent, and obviously we have talked up the Croatian team a fair bit. Um, were there any big shocks? Anybody, particularly anyone left out that you would have expected being the squad or anyone that's missing out injured? Uh, well, the struggle is with the right back, right back position. Funny thing is that uh, 
you know, in globally you had like a lot of teams, football in general has lack of quality left backs and we don't really have issues with left back position. But yeah, don't need, need, neither do we. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah the, we're fine with that. <laughs> and it, it is weird in, with Croatia as well because um, Shime Versalco, the right back from Atletico Madrid, he has a lot. He, I, I don't know much players who have many players who have worse injury record than him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been after the World Cup. He has a disaster. He had a disaster of career development. He missed out on, I think, almost 100 games after the, the World Cup. And he barely managed to get in the, the final squad for the Euros. And I don't know whether he'll be fit for the Euros, to be honest. He did play. He did feature for the national team. He did feature a bit for Atletico Madrid. But that's a weak spot on the right back. And we don't have a natural backup for him. And that's also a really bad thing. Josip Juranovic is a player from Legia Warsaw. He's, you know, a fairly decent player, but not in terms of quality. He's not the kind of player that you'd expect to be a first-choice right-back for Croatia. And that's kind of where we both lack depth and, you know, having issues with our first choice. And there are kind of issues with um, the the centre-back positions as well. Because you had... You know, Dida and Lovren are really familiar with each other. They've played a huge amount of games for the national team together. But they're, you know, the, the age is coming up with them. It's catching up and they, they can, if they are caught high enough, you, they might have problems, um, especially against the teams that like to invite our squad coming up high and then seeking to get a quick break. So those are kind of, we have, the biggest issues at the center back, right back, and we'll see whether Bruno Petkovic will be fit as a center forward. He's on the list, but uh, he had a fairly disappointing season, although Dinamo Zagreb made their way once again to the quarterfinals of the Europa League. But when he's fit, he's brilliant, and he's really like this physical striker who has both, he, he's both physical and technical. So he likes to drop deep, he likes to open space. He likes to assist as well, but he sometimes have motivation struggles, and he's playing through. Um, he has a significant issues with his shoulder, I believe. So that's another issue, and that's kind of like a fifty-fifty on what Petkovic we will expect in the mm-hmm. as a center forward. So, but definitely the biggest biggest issue is the right back position with Persalco. I'm not really sure of how he'll be fit. Okay. Well, do you know, I mean, I, I, that kind of fills me with a little bit of confidence, I guess, because obviously, as we just alluded to, left back and left wing is sort of arguably the strongest part of our squad. So if we've got, you know, Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson coming to attack, potentially the weakest part of your squad, you never know, that could um, that could turn out okay for us. Um, but, yeah. you know, now that we are sort of turning on to our team a little bit, I'm not sure if you've had the opportunity to have a look at the squad that Steve Clark has called up, but I'd be fascinated to know what your sort of take on the squad is. Are, are there any players you particularly like or you particularly think could could worry Croatia a little bit? Well, I mean, the thing about the Scotland team from you know Croatian perspective is that um, it's you know it's remarkable to see that you can fit Tierney and Andy in the same team, you know, and it's. It's, it's, you know, we kind of hope that the system itself 
will provide us with more space. But the, Scot the Scotland team has kind of a combination of youngsters coming in who are, you know, exciting youngsters. Who, I mean, the likes of Billy Gilmore, although he didn't feature much, but you know, the, there's future for this team. But they're yeah. also a present for this team. With you know, Che Adams as an addition is, a, in my opinion, a big addition to this squad. Yeah, he's huge. Uh, he's huge. Yeah, and a lot of those players have. Uh, although Scotland as a team didn't do much in the past 23 years, more or less, but you know, this is still uh, kind of a blend of experience and young, you know, experience and youngsters. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they'll fit in the, in the, in a big tournament, how they'll you know, adapt to a big scene. Uh, as a team, and uh, I saw them uh, lastly against Serbia because I was obviously interested to see mm -hmm. which one of those two will, will go through. And, which uh, was which was arguably, I've got to say, probably one of our best away performances I can maybe ever remember. I mean, that that was a as much as we lost the equalizer with basically the last kick of the game. I think if we had won that game in ninety minutes, nobody could have argued that we didn't deserve to win that game in the ninety minutes. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. a very good performance. Yeah, and uh, I believe that Croatia should look at performance, especially because um, that's when we've been talking through some of the weaknesses of this Croatian squad. I think that that game really serves as an example of how Scotland could perhaps win the day for Croatia in the end, and uh, that's and some of the aspects of play that Croatia has to be very very cautious for, and uh, the combination of like quick players that are really modern and gifted, like Tierney and Robertson. And, you know, the, the physicality of the more kind of offensive player. I, I'm not really sure the, the role that... Um, oh, uh, I don't drop the, the youngster for, for Man United. Uh, McTominay. Uh, McTominay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I think... I, think he, the, I don't know, his role is different in Scotland. From what I saw, and so it certainly has been recently. We he has played uh, on the right side of the back three uh, recently, but I think that was more a kind of marriage of convenience because Steve Clark could see the McTominay. He had all the technical abilities. His passing was so good in terms of being able to bring the ball out of defence, turn defence into attack very quickly. McTominay's abilities suited that very well. But Steve Clark has been pretty clear that McTominay is in this squad for the Euros as a midfielder. I don't think you're going to see him play in defence, so he will continue in midfield. But one one player I, I would be fascinated to hear your take on, because I, I, I just love him, I think he goes from strength to strength every year, is John McGinn at Aston Villa, because he is just a, a powerhouse of a player. You know, he scored 10 goals for yeah. us in the last year and a half. <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, he's the type of player that I... Kind of mentioned with the more, how to say, experienced one, but you know who could really put a performance on the big stage. And you need kind of a, a team like Scotland needs the best out of the offensive players, which is quite interesting because I think that the Scotland team actually lacks kind of that defensive solidity in the midfield. So mm -hmm. he he's kind of the one player that you would expect Scotland. To have like a creative, more creative, more perhaps um, more in uh, in terms of finishing as well. You know, you need a quite solid finisher. He's been brilliant for Aston Villa, as you said, and that's kind of the the 
but that could also be um, the, the profile of the, the players in this Scotland team kind of could be a, both a curse, which you wouldn't really expect to link those type of players with Scotland, really, you know, mm -hmm. and you, there's always that stereotype of us, which, to be fair, did have, uh, you know, kind of, it was rooted in reality that Scotland is a physical team yeah. and it still is yeah. in a way, I mean. Oh, for sure. I mean, look, look yeah. I mean, John, John McGinn, especially like he is a scrappy, scrappy little guy. You know, he's quite short, yeah. very low center of gravity, all muscle, but he's got some real, real technical abilities. Like his finishing yeah. is very good. Yeah. His yeah. passing is very good. So, I mean, he will fight you, but he can also beat you on the ground as well. Yeah, it's a perfect combination. And, you know, but in, I think that where Croatia and the rest of the, the group uh, team, teams in the group that have to uh, the, where they have to find more uh, kind of holes in the Scotland team is perhaps the fact that the midfield might get a bit caught up going further up and then you know using it as as a reason to find more space as an opportunity to find more space in, in behind them. So I think that's kind of where. Yeah, I, th I think you're you're absolutely right there because obviously our big sort of injury news before the tournament was um, Rangers' Ryan Jack, who is kind of, he is very much one of our very few defensive-minded midfielders and he's obviously injured, he's missing the tournament. He would have started presumably every game and I think without him, we do need to work out that balance of the midfield because I think you're right, you know, guys like John McGinn, he wants to get forward. He's always, Even if he's playing in the deeper two midfielders he still wants to drive into those spaces between midfield and attack and I, I do worry we could get caught there I think I think as well that for me the two big question marks that I've got over Scotland at this tournament are the fact that you know we've not been to tournament for so long I mean Czech Republic England Croatia been to tournaments they know how it works they know how to play three games in eight days or whatever it is and Scotland just don't have that. So that kind of streetwise aspect, you know, I think I can, you could almost see Scotland taking the lead in a game, but then maybe relinquishing it. Whereas one of the other rivals might just have the wherewithal just to see it out. So I worry about that, but I'm still excited. I'm, I'm still phenomenally excited. And I think given that we play the Czech Republic first, which by the time people are listening to this, we will have already played that game. Fingers crossed we got the three points. Um, yeah, fingers crossed we can be making our way into the the last 16, hopefully alongside Croatia. I think we'll take that. Because did you know, here's here's a little, a little bit of trivia for you. I, I was looking at, do my research, and this jumped out at me. Of all the teams that Croatia have played more than once, because there's a couple that you've played once, there are only four teams that you've never beaten in world football. Brazil, France, Portugal, and Scotland. We've yep. played you five times. And we've returned three draws and two wins, including the last two games we beat you home and away in World Cup 2014 qualifying. So I'm not saying that's a sign, but... <laughs> but that, that, last, um, that last qualification uh, game we played each other in, uh, in 2000, it was a build-up to the 2014 World yeah. Cup. And um, that resulted in the sacking of Igor Stimac, which... I think wow. quite you just, you just couldn't the, couldn't live with the shame of losing home and away to Scotland. Uh, oh, he believed me, he had much much more issues. In the <laughs> Scotland thing was just the you know cream of the crop for him, like in in terms of negative uh, perspective, um, which was his his whole managerial tenure was a complete disaster. And you know Scotland kind of helped 
in the long run. Fair because enough. Croatia obviously qualified for that World Cup, so it wasn't a complete disaster. But still, you know, it, it went. Uh, we went through fairly okay for Croatia. You know, yeah, of course, of course. And, and and you know as well that 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 was kind of those two results were really they were fairly classic Scotland in in, in that period because. I believe in that in that qualifying campaign, we actually became the first country in Europe to be mathematically eliminated from qualifying. We took two points from the first six qualifiers. Yeah. Go to Zagreb. I think you were ranked third in the world in the FIFA rankings, and we win out of nowhere. So the pressure was off. We we were done. We couldn't qualify. Pressure was off. So you never know. Maybe if we've lost the first two games at the Euros, maybe we'll play you again. Pressure will be off. We'll add another win to that record. But, but I, I wouldn't compare those two teams, Scottish teams. Yeah. It's- this seems very, very different from that team. So I, I fully agree with you that this team has the potential to go, you know, even make the group, make the group stage, make the knockout stages. So you know, there's no much reason you know, not not being able to finish at least third. No, definitely. But look, look, we, like I said, like I said before, we are we're positive. We're coming in with a bit of confidence. And Czech Republic first two games at Hampton, we are feeling feeling good about ourselves but like before I let you go I do have to put you on the spot if you have to name your score for the game at Hamden right now what, what what do you think it's going to be I'm seeing it I mean obviously not knowing the the, the previous results in the group stage but generally I'd expect to drop draft green you know a hard fight game in the midfield and whoever wins the midfield battle will probably come out I'd expect Croatia to win, uh, but by a small margin, like a 1 0, very, very hard fought 1 0 win. Um, if Hampden was more packed, I'd expect that would be even harder, but it's still not going to be easy. It's not because, you know, talking in a Scottish podcast, but I tried to explain as much as I could why Scotland could be a trouble for Croatia, and that's one of the reasons I see it as a draft, potentially draft game and, and coming up. But I believe that Croatia will be getting a win out of it in the end. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, Luke, uh, thank you so much for your time. But do you know what? If, if, if it's a close win for Croatia and that result sends us through the knockouts anyway, then I'll gladly give you that. Don't worry about that. Um, but look, you're right. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Um, I'm sure we'll stay in touch through, through the tournament, but enjoy the Euros and, uh, and we'll certainly speak soon. Yep, thank you for having me and speak to you soon. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Yurai and I hope your heart rates have returned to normal after that incredible night at Wembley. Um, Yeah, just what a performance from Scotland. Front to back, a team full of heroes. Good system, well executed. And now, I think, being honest, if you'd said before the tournament we were going to go into the final group game at Hamden against Croatia with a situation where if we win we basically are guaranteed to be in the knockout stages I think you would take that every day of the week so it's a cup final and what a massive opportunity for Steve Clark and these players I can't wait already the excitement is going to build between now and Tuesday but let's do it we can do it you know we've, we've got to the promised land of uh getting back to a major finals for the men for the first time in 23 years. Now it's time to get that holy grail of knockout football. Let's do it. We're almost there. Oh, oh yes, sir. I can boogie. 
If you stay, you can't go wrong. I can boogie, boogie, woogie, all night long.